I'm your host, Brandon Kyle Goodman, and welcome to Black Folks. On this show, I have the honor of talking to Black people of various identities about our lives and how being Black has shaped our experiences. This week, I talked to civil rights activist Ashley Marie Preston. She's historically the first trans person in the U.S. to become editor-in-chief of a national publication and the first openly trans person to run for state office in California. We We discussed the importance of interrogating our history, the deepening divide between Black people and trans Black people, and ways in which we can decolonize Black identity. Now let me tell you, I could do nothing but take notes during this conversation because Ashley is serving up knowledge, truth, facts. It was a masterclass to to sit opposite her for this conversation. So uh, get your notebooks out, baby. Get your pens out. Get your your note app open on your phone. Whatever you got to do. Uh, But make sure that you are... This is is a free education right now. (laughs) You've got to get some free education. So I hope you enjoy it. Without any further ado, here is my conversation with Ashley Marie Preston. How I always start is I like my guests to introduce themselves, starting with their pronouns, and tell us anything you want us to know about you in this moment. <laughs> <laughs> Hungry. Right. <laughs> Vegan. <laughs> uh, yeah. So my name is Ashley Marie Preston. Uh, my pronouns are she, her, hers. Um, and one of the things that um, is new in my life is uh, self-care. And not like hashtag self-care, you know, like self-care that has a whole industry backing it. But like self-care that just means let me unplug, let me take time to recharge, even if it's like watching shows on Netflix or Hulu, if it's like ordering food, you know, I don't know, laying in my bed, sleeping in, whatever that is, giving myself the opportunity to define what self-care looks like for me. And so like, I think that there's this kind of... um, this packaged idea of what Mm -hmm. it looks like for a lot of people. But um, that exploration is in in and of itself a pause. Yes. Have you noticed that has your self-care, this isn't the question, but we're on here. Has has the self-care evolved for you in these, just in these last, like, let's just, since this racial awakening or whatever the fuck we're calling this, like, has it evolved at all or changed or shifted or is it the same for you um it's starting to also go into things that don't feel like fun Mm. because we talk about self-care we often think of our inner eight-year-old yes ice cream for dinner and candy and all of that but sometimes self-care just means doing your damn taxes (laughs) (laughs) that's a word That's a word. Do your taxes. <laughs> Self-care means taking my vitamin D and multiple vi- uh, my uh, multivitamins. Yes, and, yes. You know, calling my mother, you know, doing certain, you know, so self-care. Eating your food I on had, time, you know. <laughs> I, had, <laughs> I had this big revelation that self-care is also responsibility because Ooh. if I'm not taking care of those responsibilities, then it's going to potentially invite harm. 
into my life or it's going to uh, welcome instability or it's going to welcome, you know, all yeah. of these things I don't want, right? And so we don't talk about that a lot when we talk about self-care. You know what you just reminded me of? I remember when I was learning to drive, which by the way, I learned how to drive to move to LA five years ago. So I, I hadn't, I learned it like, 28. But I remember the first time I went and uh, my instructor was like, you got to look ahead. You can't be looking at what's right in front of you. You got to look, you know, two, three uh, streets ahead so you can prepare. And to me, that's what you're talking about. It's like self-care is not just about like the fun things that are giving you this gratifying moment. Now it's about the macro. It's about like, oh, those taxes, if you do them, you know, then you won't be audited later. (laughs) (laughs) So I I am here for for expanding the definition of self-care, which I think can lead beautifully into our Black folks question of the day, because my self-care, one of them, the more fun ones is like, you know, movies and television, all that stuff. So let me ask you, what is your favorite Black movie? Color Purple. That was my family's movie. And I also, and I also, um, I give you very much Oprah, like very much my life I have. Because, you know, I'm a black trans woman. So yes. All I your life. Fight. You still fighting. Still black fight. fight. The women's movement fight. The trans LGBTQ fight. The fat fight. <laughs> the fight, fight, very, fight. Right. Wait, so, so when's the first time you saw Color Purple? We, I was just talking about that with my husband a couple days ago. I think I may have been like... 12, 13, like I can't remember. Like I know it was in my teens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me ask you, what did it, because I'm asking you a two-part ahead of time. What did it mean at 12 and what does it mean now? Because I feel like a a 12-year-old Ashley and a now Ashley have two different experiences of it. Uh, Maybe I'm being assumptive, but. No, um, it's um, (laughs) 12-year-old Ashley was like, oh, this is a piece of American history. Mm. And, and President Ashley is like, oh, that was Tuesday. She <laughs> 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 ain't went nowhere. Oh. Like, went nowhere. She ain't took a break. She ain't clocked out. And over four years, she's still pumping and going strong. <laughs> Look at you perched. <laughs> Drop that knowledge and perched. <laughs> <laughs> it is what it is. That's so fucking real. I remember the first time I saw that movie, and I know that that movie is so incredibly long, but I remember it not feeling long because I think I had not seen uh, that many black people at one time (laughs) on screen, like, giving you performances. I mean, Whoopi Goldberg, just a fucking... uh, I mean, a chameleon. I mean, I think my... It's funny, I think I saw Color Purple after I saw Sister Act. I think my introduction, Whoopi Goldberg was, by the way, I used to be her assistant, but Whoopi Goldberg was, for me, like the first movie star. Like when I understood a movie star, it was Whoopi Goldberg, but my introduction to her was like um, Eddie and Sister Act and Sister Act 2, and then I remember seeing The Color Purple and just being like, I want to do that. Like black people aren't allowed to... um, be able to be chameleons like that. We're often just like, it's like, you're funny, okay. You do that, okay. But this whoopee being able to, to uh, again, be a chameleon in that way was just so inspiring to me. Have you watched Color Purple recently? 
No. Um, I've seen, like, of course, like, meme culture or, like, you know, the gifts and everything like that. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. you know, I'm always... You know, <laughs> this election just had me, like, you know, this whole election season. <laughs> yes, honey. Yes, honey. <laughs> I need to watch that. My So my favorite... What's my favorite Black movie? My favorite Black... I asked the question that I hadn't thought, because Sister Act 2 is coming to mind still. Um... But what's another? I'm just gonna stick with Sister Act Two. Is my favorite black movie, uh, just because I don't know when I saw it. It was a, it's such a, a a game changer for me. It, it really that feeling of if you want to be somebody, if you want to go somewhere, like that feel. It just it showed up in a time where just as a as a black queer person, kind of not being affirmed in my blackness, in my queerness, uh, by my mother, but not necessarily by the world. There was something about the lesson of that movie of just like these kids who were the outcasts and like became the stars that I I wanted for myself. I wanted for myself. Um, let me ask you another question. Who in your lineage have you ever been told by your just think about the color purple and lineages and ancestors and elders? Have you ever been told that you are by your family that you're like somebody that they knew? uh in in your ancestry like a grandmother or um... oh my oh definitely my grandmother and also um my great grandmother uh uh Sadie Mae Elmore rest in peace mm. um and Betty Jo Dobbins like they civil rights era uh March with Dr. King my great grandmother was many first in Louisville Kentucky my hometown she was like the first um uh woman black white just woman. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so, like, to work for the count or the, I forgot, like, what her actual title was, but she worked for the city. Yeah. Um, and she she died at 101 years old. So, Ooh, like, in, uh, yes. oh, yes, in 2017. Um, and Lived so, I mean, in 2016. And so, um, that, uh, that happened. Um, and then also, she was she, she did Rosa Parks before Rosa Parks did like mm. nine years before because she was on a bus. Uh, she was a nurse at the time and was on a bus and this guy got on drunk and she was sitting in the front and he was mad that like she and I still got the newspaper articles and headlines. You can literally Google newspaper.com, look up Sadie Mae Elmore. And he was just like cussing her out. The bus driver stopped the bus. She was like, he was just going in and he punched her in her face, broke her glasses, and she took his bottle and, and busted him over the head with it. Shit jumped Come off. On, Sadie. <laughs> Come on, Sadie. It jumped off. It jumped off. And so then, like, the bus driver called the police. The guy went to jail. We're talking the 19, uh, this is nine years before Rosa Parks. So this is like the 1940s, like the late 40s. Yeah. Like, <laughs> he went to jail. He woke up in the coma. They interviewed him uh, from a coma. They interviewed him and he was just like, uh, I don't remember what happened. <laughs> and he had to pay a fine. And Come that's through. part of the classy. So I'm the girl that pops trade right back. I don't play games of trade. Like that's, that's, <laughs> that, you know, because <laughs> I the know. thing is that like, it's like, 
it's either you or me. You know right. what I mean? And right. so there's this narrative that, and again, I don't shame, you know, the folks who aren't able to fight back for themselves. That's why they got family. That's why they got folks. That's why we're out here doing this, right? Yes. But, you know, some of us fight. You know, so <laughs> some of us will throw blows. <laughs> <laughs> so you catch me, we gonna <laughs> we gonna we gonna figure I, something well, out. <laughs> it's you or me, and I will win every time. Just so we're very clear. I don't own a U-Haul, but I'll be more than happy to help you move furniture. If you touch me, check on a Honda. <laughs> I live. Wait, so I always think about, you know, I didn't know my grandmother as an adult. Like, she passed away when I was early 20s, which I still think is a, is a baby. And I always think about, I wish I could ask her about the world and, like, what she learned. Like, now that I'm kind of in the world as an adult. Did you ever get to have those conversations with, with Grandma Sadie? Oh, yes. Yes, yes, yes. Like, I got to hear all the stories. I also got to hear them from my grandmother. I got to hear them from my mother you know, who who can remember when they were, like, uh, doing the whole busing system mm-hmm. and, like, when they first started integrating schools. Yeah. And, and then she had to walk through this, like... And my mother's not that old. Like, my mother's in her, like, early 50s. You yeah. know what I mean? So that's, that's you know... <laughs> um, what, 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 did, what wisdom or advice did, what did grandma or mom or Sadie impart on you? Just stand like your stand your stand your ground. Fuck yes. Period. Fuck Just stand yes. your ground because at the end of the day, it's it, it's one of those things where silence won't save us. Mm. Silence won't save us, and so there's this notion, and it's even irritating today to watch the ways in which you know sometimes even we as black people um, engage in politics and how there's this um, it's steeped in respectability. And this idea that if we act a certain way, if we talk a certain way, if we use enough SAT words, if we go to that Ivy League school, if we live in that zip code, drive that car, marry that person, that somehow we'll be deemed worthy of dignity and, Mm. you know, respect. And it's like, that is all false. There's this like mysticism around what it means to be like, you know, successful and black and like all of this. And it's like, what makes you successful and worthy and deserving is just being you. Yeah. There shouldn't be any stipulations on your blackness um, that would, um, you know, I guess like, you know, exempt you from whatever abuses that you see non-respectable blacks going through. Like, you yeah. know what I mean? So, and we see it with like, you know, conversations on LGBTQ identity in the black community. We see it around, you know, how we feel about, you know, like sex workers and homeless people and how we feel about people who struggle with addiction, how, you know, there's just all of these different layers and layers and layers. So basically we want to judge the individual for their choices and not the system that, um, you know, place them. Mm-hmm in the predicament that they're in to have to make those difficult decisions, you know? And so these are just things that like, I'm just having a field day because like I'm getting it from both ends. Like, yes. so I'm over here battling white supremacy on one end. And then on the other end, I'm trying to um, eradicate the indoctrination in our community that continues to enact white supremacy against those of us who are still at the bottom of the social societal, you know, <laughs> 
how do you do that? Like, I mean, I, you know, I'm, I think there, I know there's not one linear route, but that is such a, how do we do that? Or what are your, it's understanding the game plan. You have to understand the strategy. You have to understand that divide and conquer was always the name of the game. Mm -hmm. It goes all the way back from field slave, house slave dynamic. It goes back to this, you know, putting like black folks against brown people and and all of this. And so the truth is that white supremacy can only be successful if it uh, fragments our movement, right? And so the true solution and answer to all of that is cross-cultural collaborations that that yield um, tangible outcomes for us, you know, jobs and resources and housing and healthcare and social support and, you know, um, freeing our people uh, from the talons of the prison industrial complex and just all of these different things, right? in, In which these struggles intersect. And so for me, when I come up against ignorant ass people, even Mm -hmm. in my own community, Mm -hmm. I have to see past them and see like what's moving them, like what's operating them, like what's speaking through them. And nine times out of 10, it's these uh, notions of blackness that are informed by white supremacy. That's the gag is that your idea of what respectable blackness, manhood, whatever, you know, womanhood, whatever you think it is that you are, you know, the gatekeeper to, um, it's been informed by white supremacy. When we talk about the policing of gender and sexuality and all that, that shit is colonial. It's colonial because white people, um, even to this day, they only make up 6% of the global population, you know? And if we're talking pre-colonization, it was way less than that. Like we know through anthropology that they barely survived. Mm. They literally barely survived, you know? Yeah. And it's a actual race. And so that being said, they had to get creative you know, get like smart and intuitive and how. And so how do you do that? You create this system, you know, that guarantees that you're going to be able to have offspring and reproduce and mm-hmm. do all of this, you know, so women need to look a certain way so that they can inspire us and motivate us to get, you know, what we need to get so then we can get at them and then we can produce and have children. And and so there's no room for transness. There's no room for, you know, uh, homos- uh, you, you know, for same-sex love or like all this other shit that like, you know, that is policed. And another thing too these, um, our communities have always existed. We didn't just come out of nowhere. Yeah. And so when they would come to these um, indigenous lands and come up and come across us, it was this thing where it was like, they don't understand it. And so they just, so we get rid of it or we do understand it and we enjoy it to our own benefit. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. then we continue to still implement our own system so that we can survive and grow, which is why there's just like a whole lot of history like around that that we can't even tap on today, but that's just ultimately like what it is. And so again, and then, you know, we know that history is written by the victors. So we know that that history is written by the victors. That's who wrote it. And so... (laughs) So when they rewrote history, they they redacted it. Yeah. Trans identity and queer identity yeah. and all of these, you know, uh, they redacted um, alpha women and, you know, all of these, like, you know, these whole cultures that, that are centered on, on matriarchal order. Yeah. They erased it. You know what I mean? Yeah. <sighs> 
I was just talking to Aisha D, who's an actress, and we were having this conversation. A lot of what you're talking about uh, in terms of like qualifying and quantifying blackness and how we do that on ourselves, but also just like this idea that kind of I, I said to her, I saw hidden figures uh, however many years ago, and I was like, I didn't even know to look up were black women involved in NASA. And I guess my question to you is, as people are waking up, especially for our people, as black people are waking up, how do we find our history? I mean, I know Google, but like, what? where do you start? For the person who's like, okay, listen, education, the system failed us. There's so much I don't know. There's so many things I don't know. Where do I begin educating myself? How do I begin educating myself? What, what do you say to that person? You start with your everyday life. Mm. Start asking yourself questions. Why is it that when I look at Color Purple, uh, Whoopi Goldberg's hair gets on my nerves. Mm. Why is her hair so nappy and ugly? And mm. why isn't it silky? And, you know, why isn't it, you know, and these are things I was thinking at 12 and 13 years old. And sure. I just wanted, you know, there was this like, you know, Eurocentric uh, standard of conventional beauty that, you know, many of us were trying to uphold. Yes. You know, and so asking myself those questions, why? And then you learn about the, the, um, the, oh my gosh, why do I, why is it, it escaping me? The, the Tignan laws. Mm-hmm. What's that? Um, the Tignan laws were in the late 1800s. So basically black Afro Creole women, um, in Louisiana were at the time, it was a fashion to wear their hair with all these jewels and mm-hmm. chains and all kinds of like, drag yes (laughs) sickness and so much so that even the white man was like hey you there like you know like (laughs) yes and the white and and the white women of the ruling class were pissed Mm. and they were upset that the black women like low-key they were shutting it down and so there was a law the tignan laws where they had to wrap their hair in scarves they weren't allowed to wear their hair out because uh, their hair, um, in fact, verbatim, the word says that um, that there was to be no excessive dress, mm. um, uh, excessive detail to dress. Uh-huh. That was how they framed it. So basically they were saying that Black women were too busy and they didn't like that. They were afraid that basically because of how they were dressed, there would be confusion as to who was ruling class and who was peasant, even though they were black. And so, and this is, and the gag is that some of the black women were free women. And so it it applied to the free women as well. Not just the women who were um, still enslaved technically, it was the free women, everybody. And so then what did we do? In fact, read the, um, I just interviewed uh, Gabrielle Union in Harper's Bazaar. Okay about that recently. And I talked about it in the opening of the article. So for those who are curious to learn more. And so then they ended up taking those scarves and then they started wrapping it on hats and doing like all of this like tool. And and so then they just kept going. So like instead of their hair, it was like hats and all (laughs) Yes. And so that being said, that's how we learn history. I had to ask myself, what is it that taught me to hate my hair? What is it that taught me to feel that this is beautiful and this This is not, not. you know, these people are worthy of being seen and these people are not, these people are worthy of love and affection and these people are not. And so 
the best way to learn history is to interrogate the way that you move throughout the world and ask why. You know, you don't know it's a chair until somebody tells you it's right, a chair. Right, right. You know what I mean? And so, like, why... And so these are the same conversations even, like, around trans identity. Like, why do... A lot of Black folks don't know that the first Black person to speak before a congressional committee in the United States was actually um, a Black trans woman. And her name was Frances Thompson, and she was a former Black slave. And during the Memphis riots of 1866, um, she, her and her roommate Lucy Smith were in their home. And at that time, they lost the Civil War, Mm. so they were pissed. And so they were just ravaging through the villages. And so um, in Memphis, and so they broke into their house, these soldiers, uh, Confederate soldiers who had lost, and demanded they cook them dinner. They cooked them dinner. And then afterward, they were like, so what's good? And so they were like, uh, and then they basically raped them. And so they, um, so Frances Thompson gathered, I think it was like six other women, and then they testified before her and so that was what was the whistle they essentially blew the whistle about what was happening in the south yeah yeah yeah. um and so that actually led up to further and that was a black trans woman and so i learned that because i was like why are you know we're talking about slavery and were we a part of the plantation were we like were there trans slaves like or like and there were, in fact, you know what I mean? And so it's, and Black folks didn't feel the way that they felt about us now. Right. The gag is, once they found out she was trans, not that she was even, like, trying to, like, hide it, but somebody, like, leaked it and was like, that. And so then they were like, wait a minute, she's a, or, you know, he's a fraud and cross-dressing. And, and so they said that it was reconstruction propaganda. So they politicized her identity through her uh, assigned her to a chain gang for 10 years. And so like in 1876, she ended up dying of uh, dysentery. So the way that you learn your history is to look at yourself. Um, You know, what are you passionate about? What do you love? Like, what are you proud of the most? What are you, and then just understanding that you are linked to greatness, that there was somebody else like you 100, 200, 300, 400 years ago, where were they at in all of that? And so we have to look for ourselves in history because they're not going to offer it up to us. We have to. That has been the biggest for me. I mean, just over the last few years, but definitely in in this last you know couple of months of saying, you know, we need to be critically thinking about what we're consuming and what we're, as you're saying, like questioning. Look at your life and start to question: Why am I gravitating to this thing and not this thing? Why do I feel like this but not that? And I think what has been so devastating and also um, fueling is learning history and and diving in and realizing that we as black people, as black queer people are so ingrained in this history uh, of where we are now and in, in greatness, ingrained in the greatness and in the, the resilience and in the fight, but we dis- we're not taught about that. And I think that's so, I don't know, for me, just really reckoning with that emotionally, with the fact that it's like, oh, this thing, I didn't know. I just didn't know. Like all these people, all these great you know, uh, black people who paved, literally paved the way. And we continue to say that, paved the way, paved the way. What does that mean? And when you start to, as you're saying, go through your history and start to really research and identify these people, you're like, oh, no, no, they were in every part of this 
fucked up history and they made a way and that's what paving the way is and really you know defining paving the way beyond mlk and beyond you know harriet they are rusting see that's what i mean like we've always been there and people like again when you are when you live among the oppressor long enough you start to adopt those like ideologies and thoughts and so even when you think you're free you're still in prison yes you're still enslaved to your own to your own um lack of understanding about these systems and ideas and how they work so like if you're going to be homophobic and transphobic at least understand why you know what i mean that part requisite i'm asking personally we can get to the rest (laughs) but the the, the prerequisite must be no why (laughs) (laughs) at the very least understand why that is no it's like oh well you still can't tell us why and the reason, but, you know, I can tell you why, yeah, you know, yeah. what I mean? because of these, you know, like, again, these, you know, masculinity, all of this stuff, all of that stuff is, again, it's white supremacy, it's colonial, it's, and it's, and we see these dynamics exist, exist in other countries, but again, it's who, who are making those, those laws and those, it's the lighter people in those regions. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? It's the, it's the, any country, the ruling class, even in Mexico, like the ruling class yeah. is always the lighter complected people, you know, even in biblical texts, you know, that the, the darker you were, the more associated to, um, you know, um, you know, a peasant class you were like yeah, the, yeah. The ideas of like a caste system and all of this. And so it's just so interesting that here we are, you know, years later with the internet and Snapchat and, uh, and like, I guess, TikTok and all of this stuff. And yet we're still playing out these roles yeah. that have existed for hundreds, thousands of years, actually. Mm-hmm. And not many of us have ever stopped to interrogate it and ask why. So let me ask you emotionally, because we talked about, we started this talk, conversation talking about, you know, like, uh, not safe space, but but self-care. And so uh, I always say ignorance is bliss, right? And so most people have are not interrogating this. And so they're able to move through the world and like, you know, perpetuate homophobia or transphobia or racism and kind of feel like whatever about it. But as you, who are so aware and so plugged in and you can see it, as you said, you know, when people come at you spouting shit, you're like, I can, I can see past, I can see past the words you're saying and where, and I can actually identify where it's coming from. Emotionally, what does that feel like to you? Like, um, does that, like, does that take a toll? Um, is that frustrating? Some days, yes. Other days, it feels like armor mm. because the truth of the matter is that um, the truth of the matter is that one of the most common forms of anti-blackness um, of violence that black folks face is gaslighting. And so, for those who don't know, like it actually started out from this. It was like a play in the 1800s called Gaslight. And so like the story was this guy who uh, he just couldn't stand his wife. And so he just wanted to torture. And so he would play these series of tricks like he would adjust the gas lamp and like it would flicker and and he would do these little things. And then she'd be like, what is it? And he'd be like, what are you talking about? There's nothing. The light's fine. What are you? And she's like. Uh, and so he terrorized her so bad psychologically that she started 
to question her own reality. Yeah. And so fast forward, gaslighting and mm-hmm. white supremacy, like, you know, pretending that you don't know mm. what happened on the plantation, acting like you don't know what happened in the 60s and in the early 90s and, you know, and, and now in 2020, you know, uh, with the murders of Black folks by, a, you know, state-sponsored um, or state-sanctioned violence. And it's this denial. This um, it, It's a part of this series of studies called the epistemology of ignorance. Mm-hmm. Like, you are willfully deciding that you're not going to accept these facts. Yeah. Instead, you're going to create your own. Yeah. You know, again, they've been doing that even since history. Like, even some of the literature from the South, when they threw out all those textbooks, like, in the 50s, and and then started, you know, they, they were, they, there'd be stories about, like, slaves and masters, like, singing together in the field. And, I, I mean, they literally Disney-fied <laughs> history. <laughs> Like, it was like some, like, Pocahontas Ariel, like, some deep deep Zoop Disney shit. Like, they really tried to, like, and so sanitize it and, like, water it down. And so that being said, when you have, when you're equipped with knowledge, it's armor. It's armor. In fact, so much so that they'll kill you. They'll assassinate you. (laughs) Yeah. You give, and we see this in other countries, is like in Brazil, like that activist, her name was Mariela. I can't remember her last name. This like black uh, Afro Brazilian woman they assassinated. Like they, they kill folks, you know, they kill Dr. King. Like uh, uh, somebody today was actually, um, so recently, we just had um, the anniversary back on the 28th of um, Dr. King's I Had a Dream speech. Yes, yeah. And so the thing is, I saw somebody with this poster or, or this graphic, and it said, white people, uh, stop using Dr. King as an example of peaceful protest. Y'all shot him, too. And so, <laughs> and so the thing is that Facts. <laughs> there's this, you know, knowledge is power but knowledge can also be dangerous and it can be a threat and so i think that for me yes it can be exhausting feeling like you're screaming in the middle of a burning (laughs) trying to get people's attention and they're just like "Eh," you know but then also it's understanding that when they come for you and they will and they do and they have you know, um, you have to just know. You have to be grounded and rooted so deep in your truth mm-hmm. that you're indomitable. You have to absolutely, you know, stand stand your ground. Yes, Grandma. Ground. <laughs> so we have to mentally, psychologically, emotionally, intrinsically stand our ground. We can't allow white supremacy and the, the the violence and terror that it enacts make us second guess what we're worth, yeah. make us second guess what we deserve, make us question who we are, and talk us into relinquishing everything that our ancestors left us, like our legacy. Like we yeah. can't we can't allow that to happen. And so um sometimes you just have to know like you know like you know sometimes we learn things not so that we can um you know alert them that we know but so we can survive sometimes some things are just for you Mm. you know what i mean yeah so so that even um even harriet tubman carried a pistol (laughs) 
Carrie and Dad, oh, what do you mean, Miss Home? What do you mean you got second thoughts? You, because knowledge, <laughs> you're not about to run back and tell. Uh-uh. No, <laughs> everything is not for everybody. Yes, you know, even even some of the commentary that I have so much commentary for the black community, so much commentary, mm-hmm. but. I know that it's not for every space. You know mm. what I mean? Like I know, and I really learned that when in one week, Drake, Common, LeBron James, Neo, uh, um, Deb Hines, all of these like black men who, you know, prominent men in music, the industry, they, LeBron James, they had these pro-black trans messages that they were talking about randomly. Like LeBron James posted a cover of the woman from Pose and was like, black women are beautiful. Like Drake had Big Frida in the song. Like Dan had Janet Mock in the videos. Like TMZ tried to catch Neo slipping and asked him about like LGBT queer folks and all that. And he was like, that's stupid. They're like people, they deserve respect and they're artists and we need to treat them like, you know, all of these folks had all these words, comments that black trans lives matter at the Team Vogue Summit. Like it all like jumped off. And, but when I pitched all of that to these editors, many who I was even friends with and was like, hey, can I write this up? Can I? Crickets. Mm, Yeah, we're not like right now, like, yeah, we're like whatever. But then let R. Kelly pop off and get in Gayle King's face. Let Kanye's mental health act up. Let, you know, uh, Dave Chappelle say some trash-ass shit. Let Charlemagne the God try to play one of our sisters or anything like that. And then all of a sudden, they're beating down my inbox. So that's when I realized, Uh, like, okay, I see what this is. Oh, fuck. That is so infuriating. Because it, then you're you're being used just for to to perpetuate the same drama to perpetuate yeah. as opposed to like and then what it does again is then it also perpetuates this false notion that black um, LGBTQ uh, black trans and queer folks don't need protection within the Black Lives Matter movement mm-hmm. because we're somehow benefiting from white privilege because of our close proximity to white queerness. And because we help fight for, for their rights, not understanding that we experience just as much racism, sexism, and transphobia in the LGBTQ community, if not more, because people use their sexuality as a shield to absolve them of the From responsibility having to do fucking work <laughs> of these of destabilizing um, and dismantling these systems. And so, that being said, when you get when you can get a black trans or queer person to come out. And chew up cis hat black folks. It just deepens the, that divide. You know yes. what I mean? It just, yes. it just further exacerbates it. And so I'm like, here's what I'm not gonna do, because y'all are already like petty as fuck sometimes. You know, so like y'all make up shit and, and look reasons like, oh, you know, like black trans women, like yeah, like they are here tricking folks. You know, if you start tricking people, and it's like we ain't gotta trick nobody, bruh. Your daddy, your uncle, your brother, your cousin, they with the shits. They with fully it. Away. You know what I mean? They, <laughs> fully into it. Fully love it. <laughs> We carry receipts, they're with it. You know what I mean? It's just that what we're not with is defining ourselves for ourselves. Mm. That's what we're not with yet. You know what I mean? And so again, it's these things where like, um, you know, I'm constantly in this space where I have to like, again, battle white supremacy and then battle internalized anti-blackness because whenever 
you enact white supremacy or hate or harm to another black body, that is anti-blackness. Yes. I need for people to clearly understand that. Yes. that you know, you can't say like, oh, well, that's, you know, that ain't our fight. That's something else. It's like, we're still, this is a black body. You know what I mean? And so when, and so when we look at, even when we look at supremacy as a whole, you know, zooming out, even away from race, body terrorism is the root cause of supremacy. Like this idea that, you know, I am, that I get to, dictate the terms of someone else's existence and how they show up in the world. This that kind audacity, of like, the, uh... <laughs> this, this ego feel like yeah. it's ego. Ego yeah. is death. Ego, ego is meant to protect us. Yes. It's meant to be a buffer so that we, but when it goes unchecked, it's deadly. Yes. It's toxic, yeah. Know? It terrorizes for sure. And so, like, fat phobia, ableism, xenophobia, anti-Blackness, racism in general, you know, uh, sexism, misogyny, you know, all of these, you know, obviously rape culture, all of these things are body terrorism. And so (laughs) it just goes back to the fact that, again, I've been telling people that if you have, if you help destroy Black trans lives, you're anti-Black. You know, you're an agent of anti-blackness. Period. If you um, don't lift up black women, all black women, um, including the ones that you don't want to fuck, all black women, then you're an agent of anti-blackness. And so, like, we just have to simplify it. And I think that even in a lot of these spaces that I'm in, I think that's why my platform has been growing so fast it's because we're, I'm demystifying a lot of these like conversations where you shouldn't need like a gender studies uh, yeah. degree or, <laughs> yeah. you know, some kind of like, you don't really need that in order to understand the concept of respect. Yes. You know? Well, it's about, I think in this point in time, it's really about saying it exactly how it is. Do you know, it's, uh-huh. I think we've been, we've been dancing around shit. I mean, even you saying, you know, that that's an agent of anti-blackness. It's like, well, that's very clear. <laughs> okay, great. Like, let's, that's what it is, you know, as opposed to trying to protect whatever's happening for whatever reason. It's like, no, we, the only way that this gets better is if we call it what the fuck it is so we can then address it, heal it. And address the root. Yes. And the root of it is you're still trying to cling on to these notions of what it means to be respectable that are informed by white supremacy in these institutions that will never respect you. They will never respect you. They will deal with you, especially if what you're doing is making them more money and it's fueling capitalistic, patriarchal, imperialist, you know, white supremacist, (laughs) you know, uh, systems, they'll tolerate you. But you will never, 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 um, <laughs> until that system is abolished, yeah. you will never be respected in it. And so that being said, it's plain and simple. Like if you, anytime you work against your own interests like that and other Black folks and other like, you're doing the work of the oppressor, you know, I think of it as these pillars of white supremacy that, that hold it up. Yeah. And transphobia homophobia, sexism, and misogyny, you know, all these. The thing is that most people think that they want to, dis, to th- 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 that they want to 
destabilize white supremacy, but really they want to sit next to it. And that's the difference. Well, let me ask you these. I have two last questions for you. And uh, one is, what do you think is the work that that black people need to do inside of all of this right now. Like, I know that white people have their work, but I also believe, as you've said, like knowledge, we have our own work that we have to do to... Um... Decolonize black identity. Again, yeah. going back to question, interrogate, interrogate. That's a human process. You know, like I usually hate when people zoom out like that and they're like, human, I'm like, no, you just don't want to talk about anti-blackness. But, yes. um, <laughs> but for us, but yes. for us, we still have to interrogate. We yeah. still have to grow because where do you think all of that, like, all of that social conditioning went? Yeah. It didn't just evaporate and like, you know, yes. and like float away with the ancestors. Right. It's still it's here. Still like, here. It's still in how you. We move, how we move, the fact that like we'll pay 10 times what something's worth just because it has a brand on it, but then we'll try to talk our own people the, down for like, we don't want to pay them what they're worth. Yeah. You know what I mean? We don't want to buy their book. We don't want to like pay for their like, their to see art, their movie. Their beauty, their, their products, art, whatever it is. Yeah. yeah. Why do you think that is? Like, that's because there's something that, there's this notion that we're, mm, but that's bootleg. Why is it bootleg? What makes it bootleg? You know what I take away from this? And I, I think I'm a fucking title this episode. Know why. When you said, just know why, all I ask is for your home. Where are you in the why? That should be the episode title. Ooh, where are, where you are you in, in the, the why? why? Mm. <laughs> Fuck. My last question for you. Uh, and it's a big one, uh, but I know you, I know you got to have an answer. Um, this thing that we've been talking about, you know, burning down the system, dismantling the system and, and you know, all of it. How do you think that, and you, you know, this answer can obviously change and, and may not be full, maybe, but like, how do you think we burn down the system? We essentially establish self-determination and we create, we build our own. Mm. We had the right idea in the 1920s and all of these, like, even like Black Wall Street, before they came through and like burned it down. Like literally, we're talking about, oh, Pearl Harbor was the first time that there was ever like an attack on U.S. soil. And I'm like, other than colonization and slavery, that is a lie. <laughs> like literally, they bombed, the, they ran at planes and dropped these like homemade bombs on Black Wall Street and these Black businesses in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And when people were or to run outside with their families and kids, they shot them. You know what I mean? And so every time you see in history that Black people start to build wealth, they come through. Or immigrants, like, mm -hmm. you know, brown, all of a sudden, it's only time for deportation mm -hmm. when you're not here to be, like, indentured servants. Yes. But the minute you start to kind of, like, y'all doing your own thing, they will were always scrutinized and placed under surveillance. You know yeah. what I mean? And so the thing is that um, that's really what it takes. Like, we don't have to, like, um, you know, rebuild the wheel or, you know, do, redo the wheel. Like, it's already 
we know what we works. know what it is. We know what works. Yeah. We know that economic uh, stability or economic growth and sustainability of our communities and, you know, supporting our own people. Yes. Which is why so important. Like I posted about it, um, even on my Instagram, this video that I did from an inter- um, from a segment I did on Young Turks and just talking about the importance of small business and how, mm-hmm. you know, I just again, watched that. Back to Dr. King's I Had a Dream. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, okay, but for many Black folks in America and Brown folks, like that dream is centered on economic growth and development, um, which yields all of these other things that are an on-ramp. Yeah. To that, um, to that dream of what it means to thrive, you know? And so being able to, again, decolonize our thought and our perspective around what is success. Many of us equate success with assimilating into, um, into um, capitalistic, imperialist, patriarchal notions of yeah. wealth and success. And if we reframe that, and think about how we can Nipsey hustled it. Hmm. Yes, yes, <laughs> you know? yes. And look at what, see, that's that, the thing. That's what, like, and proves and I'm your not point. a conspiracy theorist, no, no, but, but we know, like, it's, same thing with Tupac. There's just like a whole lot of stuff, you know, which later they found out the LAPD, uh, the Rampart Division, they set all that up. That's, 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 that's what I be telling people. Like, you know, sometimes you just got to move in silence. Yeah. Sometimes you just, sometimes it's not going to, you know how they say like the revolution when we televise it, you know, sometimes our, our movement, you won't find it in a TED talk, you know what I mean? And I I have a TED talk, but (laughs) there were some pieces that like I withheld because we need to learn the keys, you know, the fundamental uh, parts of organizing, Yeah, you know, and it's something that's lost. Even when we look at these social programs and they're like, oh, the government, the America, no, America co-opted that shit. America appropriated it. The free school lunch and all that and breakfast, that was the Black Panthers that did that. So, like, history told us they were just carrying guns and marching with right, afros. Right, 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 right. But they were building social programs for communities, for families who didn't have a lot of money, and uh, mutual aid networks. They were creating all of these, like, things that were, again, like for us, by us, providing, you know, and it's not to be like, you know, radical and say that, oh, we can't, of course, we can still have white friends. Of course, I have several, my best friend is, you know, like, we can still live in society. Yeah. But still hold our own. Yes. You know what I mean? To not have to rely. And so. Well, it's that shift that you're talking about, which is like, it's the difference between like trying to be like white people and and honoring who we are and defining who we are. Ashley, I am so grateful for this conversation and for literally like school. Like uh, I want to give you all my tuition money. You just really schooled me and I'm so, so grateful to you. uh, And I'm really excited for people to get to hear this conversation. Woo! Did y'all take your notes? Did you get your whole life? <laughs> I'm still reeling. Oh my goodness. Ashley really, really served up uh, the whole meal. Uh, she, oh, I'm full for the week. I'm full for the year, honey. Uh, and yet I'm hungry for more. I'm hungry for more knowledge, information. She's really, really inspired me. And I hope that she's done the same for you. So this is the BKG Learning Moments where I tell you what I learned from uh, my conversation with my guest. And um 
with Ashley, this conversation really, uh, what sticks out for me is, you know, that we need to constantly question history, you know, and find ourselves in those important moments. You know, I think about, uh, you know, in, in high school, ninth grade was that freshman year of high school, you know, doing U.S. history. And black history was, you can guess, February and it was essentially like slavery, Harriet Tubman, MLK, and 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 now we're here. <laughs> you know, like there was no there was no Marsha P. Johnson, there was no Bayard Rustin, there was no you know uh, there was no queer blackness, as well as just like a lot of black people were missing from the fabric of that syllabus and from the fabric of the conversation. Um, and what uh, I'm trying. Uh, I don't feel shame about it. I'm not going to beat myself up. I'm going to do better now. But what what breaks my heart, that's what I, I'll say, what breaks my heart is that I, I didn't even know to be curious. I didn't even know to be like, wait, is this it? <laughs> this is it? There's nobody else? I didn't even know. I, like, that didn't even dawn on me until a few years ago that like, oh, shit. Wait, m- maybe maybe black people exist in all these other spaces that uh, that they're not telling us about. Um, and so as Ashley has reminded us, knowledge is power. And I really love, you know, for those of us, like, a- Ashley is fucking brilliant. Uh, and for those of us who are beginning our work um, and who are, you know, trying to, to learn in whatever space or capacity, I, I love her advice about just being curious, you know, like what, like getting curious about um, uh, why your why Celie's hair bothers her. So what are the things that bother you or that, you know, uh, that... Uh, rub you rub you the wrong way or that you want to know more about and like can you just go out and and start to research it start to to get introspective about it reflective about it start to uh, look up the facts and see how that relates to your emotional state of being Um, we have to really question history and not just be satisfied with what we've been told because as we all are aware, you know, that's the point of this show. Uh, that's what we've been talking about in the zeitgeist the last few months, that we are conditioned, honey. We have been conditioned and raised in a white supremacist society, uh, in a patriarchal, misogynist, homophobic, transphobic, racist society. Uh, and so the history books that this society creates is not going to uh, tell the whole truth. It's not going to tell the full story, um, but it's out there. And so it just might mean that we have to do a little more work, be a little more curious, put in a little more effort uh, to get that information, to arm ourselves with that knowledge. Uh, As Ashley also said, you know, knowledge is her armor. The other thing that really stood out to me, and I think is really important that we talk about, is anti-blackness. And you've heard me talk about this with Ismael, and we talked about this, uh, I think, two episodes ago with Ismael in terms of the Latinx community uh, and and anti-blackness existing inside of the Latinx community and and the black and the black community itself. Um, and so I really loved having this conversation with Ashley as well. Um, that any anyone who enacts harm against any black body, including 
trans black bodies. That's the definition of anti-blackness. Hello? Um, as I'm recording, and I'm not going to say any names because you know what it is, and it, you can do your own research, but um, there were comments made by a person of color that were anti-black. <laughs> like, whatever we want to say about it, whether that person meant it like that or not is kind of irrelevant. It, 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 what it highlighted is that there is some subliminal, if, if that person was like, I didn't mean it like that, and, and she really didn't mean it like that, then it's like, oh, well, then there's some subliminal, unconscious anti-blackness happening inside of you that is, has gone unchecked, and it just came out while you were on camera, <laughs> and <laughs> we, could, we could do whatever we want about that and have whatever feelings we want, but what I'm trying to bring up is... We have to really, really get curious and and reflective about even as a even me as a black person about where we are trafficking in anti-blackness because we are raised in an anti-black society, anti-black world. If we really want to take it there, which I think we do. So you're not immune from it, you know? Um, it is something that uh, you have to raise your awareness to, raise your consciousness of, so that you can combat it. Uh, and don't think that just because you're black, you can't be anti-black, right? If I got a cis-het black man beating up uh, a trans black woman, it, you're, that's anti-black right there. That, that's not their Black Lives Matter energy. You know what I'm saying? And that's fuck shit and like bullshit. And, and I, I, I get really fucked up when I think about the ways in which people enact harm on our trans siblings. I, I can't comprehend it. I don't understand it. It's infuriating. It's but then there's also this other piece of it too, just as like watching cis het black people do that as well. It's like we we are already being fucked over by um, the the white mainstream majority, whatever. And so I want as black people, my my hope is that. We protect each other inside of our communities and inside of our walls. And yet what continues to happen as well is sometimes, it's not sometimes, a lot of times inside of our own walls, we start to, um, we harm and, and, and violate and enact violence on our own. And that is sick. You know? That is just sick and fucked up. I don't really have a point other than get curious about where. I'm not saying it's everybody listening, right? So if it's not you, it's not you. But if it is you, get curious about where you are trafficking in anti-blackness. 
curious about why that is, where that comes from, why that's happening. And get about the business of correcting that. Get about the business of making sure that you are (laughs) pro-black. That you are doing everything within your power to protect black bodies. Period. I don't care if it's cis. I don't care if it's trans. It's a black body. And in this country, a black body is already at jeopardy. A black body is a target. Should not be a target inside of our community. And that's that on that. Well, that is it, y'all. I want to thank Ashley for joining me today. Uh, You are a light of force, and I am just so grateful to know you and so honored to have been able to share in that conversation with you. And thank you, listeners, friends, for listening to this episode. Uh, If you enjoyed it, if you learned something, if you were inspired, moved, if, if some part of your spirit, your soul has been expanded by this conversation or any of our conversations here on Black Folks, so Subscribe, rate, and comment on any of the platforms you listen to your your podcast. And give us that five-star, honey, okay? Don't play. And also tell a friend about us. Tell somebody about us. Be like, yo, you got to check out Black Folks, honey. It's good. Black Folks spelled how? F-O-L-X. There you go. Also, if you want to see the video version of this interview, it'll be available a week from today on my YouTube page at Brandon K. Good. Uh, You can always catch sneak peeks of upcoming conversations on my Instagram page at Brandon K. Good, on Tom Ellis's Instagram at Official Tom Ellis, or baby, you better follow the Black Folks Instagram at Black Folks. How is folks spelled? F-O-L-X. You got it. If you have a question, email blackfolkspodcast at gmail.com. That's spelled B-L-A-C-K-F-O-L-X podcast at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening. You know, uh, we don't have a show without you. So I I truly appreciate uh, the time and the energy that you give to us here on this show. Uh, And in case you haven't heard it yet today. I love you so much. Bye. Star Avenue, a podcast, <clears throat> a podcast network.